We're going to be learning Lakuti Sichas Chelek Yudzayin, the Sich for Shabbos Agadol. The Sicha is going to have a fascinating discussion of the idea of Zman, the idea of time. Time is a very elusive concept <coughs> and a difficult concept to understand. But we're going to try to discuss the topic and, of course, discuss the Rebbe's Chudushim on that particular topic. So the Sicha begins with a Halach in the Rebbe's Shulchan Aruch. The Alter Rebbe tells us that the Shabbos, which is before Pesach, is called Shabbos HaGadol. Because a great Anais Godel was done by in Pesach Mitzrayim, which was that they bought a sheep on the tenth of the month, as it says in the Pasik that that on the tenth of the month they bought a sheep in order to use for the Korban Pesach, and that day was Shabbos. And when the Yid Yidin bought the Pesach, all the Bukhayim Mitzrayim they gathered and they went to the Yid and asked them, what are you doing? So they replied that this is a Zebah Pesachu Hashem because Hashem is going to kill the Bukhayim Mitzrayim. So the Bukhayim went to their fathers at the Pari to request from them that they should send the Yidin away. And when they didn't want to, the firstborns made a war with, uh, with their fathers and with Pari. And many of them were killed. And that's what the Peshat of the Pasuk is, the Makim Mitzrayim B'Bukhayim. And they were Kaveya Nes, Zeh, the Zikaran, the Doris for Shabbos, and they called it Shabbos Agadol. So, as the Zikaran for this miracle, they made it on Shabbos Agadol. Ah, why did they do it on Shabbos Agadol and not just on the 10th of the month? So, the reason the Altever tells us is because Miriam's Yortzite is on the 10th of Nisim, and many had the custom, and there's a minute to fast on the 10th of Nisim as a Zechar for Miriam's uh, Yortzite. Therefore, they were Kaveya that Shabbos Agadol. It would be the, the miracle, the, the Zich Karin Hanes would be Dafk and Shabbos Agal. So we need to understand a few things. First of all, why is the Nes called, why is it called a Nes Gadol? Even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't a Nes Gadol, we should still call Shabbos, it should still be called Shabbos Agal. Meaning as a regular Shabbos doesn't have any miracles on it. So once you have a miracle, that already makes it a much a Shabbos Gadol, makes it a much greater Shabbos. As the Rajwa writes, that Yom HaShabbos is part of the seven days of creation, they're part of the Yibimei HaBinyan, that there's the Shibas Yimei HaKet, the seven days of HaKet, which are part of Ishtal, which is a part of Teva, and Shabbos is part of it. Therefore, when a Nes is going to be done on Shabbos, this Shabbos is Miyuchad, and it's Murumud, because on this Shabbos, there was Hamshacha, which was higher than Ishtal, higher than Teva, which was revealed in the Shabbos. So why does the Altebbe need to say it's because there is a Nes Gadol, therefore it's called the Shabbos Gadol. Even if it was a regular Nes, it would be called Shabbos Gadol. And this is very Meduic, because if you look in the base Yosef, when he quotes, uh, this is the answer of Taisvis, uh, when he quotes this Taisvis, he doesn't have the word Gadol, he just says a Nes. Also the Lavush, he just writes that uh, it was a Nes. It was a Nes done on this Shabbos, it tells what the Nes is, and because of that, they, were, they called it Shabbos Gadol. So why does the Alter say it was because it was a Nes Gadol? That's why they called it Shabbos Gadol. It's not, but it's only because it was a Nes Gadol. There's a, some type of deek over there. So we need to understand exactly what it is. The second question is, why exactly is it a Nes Gadol? Why is it a Nes Gadol? What's the godless of this Nes that the Bechayrim went and fought against, uh, the, fought against their own nation? That itself is not such a great thing that there was, you know, that there was some, some type of civil war. And also the Tetzos of the Nes, 
we don't, they didn't really affect the Eden. Because even after the civil war, it didn't affect the Eden because the Eden still were inside Mitzrayim. It's only after Machus Bechiris were the Taka sent out. So the Nest didn't make a visible change in the situation of the Jewish people. So why is it called Nes Gadol? And I should point out that there are other reasons why it's called Shabbos Agadol. Another famous reason why it's called Shabbos Agadol is because the we know that the sheep was the one of the Vedasaris of the of Mitzrayim. The so when they saw the Yidin buying this sheep and then tying it to their uh, bedpost, they asked them, what are, you, what are you doing over here? So they told them, it's a Zebra Pesach Lashem, we're going to be sacrificing these sheep as a Korma for Hashem. And what should have happened is, they should have killed the Yidin in order to save these sheep, because it was, it was a disgrace, it was insulting to them, it was also destroying their Vaidazara, but they didn't. So the Yidin were, went on Mesir's Nefesh, and because of that, Mr. Snefesh, Hashem did a great miracle for them that they were not attacking the Mitzrayim, even though they were planning on making a Zebach Pasach Hashem with, with the, their Avaydazar. So that shot, it makes sense why it's called a Nas Gadol, because naturally they should have been killed and their lives were saved. So there was something which was a practical difference that their life was actually saved. But Mashiach over here, how did it affect the Yidin at all? It, it, it didn't. The third question that we were going to ask is that we, we explained earlier that the reason why this nest is, uh, this, the card of this nest is on Shabbos, Shabbos of Eldonon on the 10th of the month, because usually, as we know, all of Yom Tevim are always based on the days of the month. Pesach is on the 15th of the month. Sukkot is on the 15th of the month. Yom Kippur is on the 10th. It's never a Shabbos, the third Shabbos of the month. No, it's, it's usually it goes by the days of the month. So why over here do we have this? special Shabbos with Shabbos Agodah that the Zikorin of the Nets is not good by the days of the week and not by the days of the month. So the author explained, as we said earlier, it's because Miriam's Yurtzite was on the Yud. So therefore, they, they didn't want to establish the Zikorin on Yud. So instead, they did it on Shabbos. But as we know, that everything in the Torah is Meduik. So fine, we understand why it couldn't have been on, on, uh, on the 10th. But why establish it on Shabbos? Like, what's, what's the... Diak, what's the Inyan Chayuvi, the Tam Chayuvi, why they would have picked Shabbos that the Zikorn should be on that particular day. So those are the questions of the Sicha. So to understand this, we're first going to be Makdim, an interesting Yalkut Shemayni, it's also Tarskayin, where uh, it brings over there a, a Machlaikis between Rabbi Yehuda and in Rabbi Yeshua on the Pasik, Rabbi Shimon, sorry, Rabbi Shimon on the Pasik, Eshpati Chayra, Minasabas, and Parshat Chukaisai. These are one of the blessings that the Jewish people will have if they go with the Chukaisai Kelechu, which was that he will, he will remove the Chayas Rois, Minasabas. So what does that mean? Eshpati, I will nullify, I will remove these Chayas Rois. So Rabbi Yehuda means that he will, Mavir Minas, that he will remove them from the land. So the Pashas, what that means is that Eretz Yisrael will be so settled and so secure that the wild animals will move somewhere else because we know wild animals like being in well areas which are wild. But since Eretz will be so miyushav, the animals will go somewhere else. Rabbi Shimon disagrees. He says, no, the, it, 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 the, the animals themselves are going to stay, but their teva is going to change, that they're not going to be mazikim. He's going to remove this nature of, of damaging from them. Meaning is, that they won't damage anymore. The Ramban explains what this means. 
is that initially, before the chait of the etzadas, animals do not actually have the nature of attacking one another. All, they all were vegetarians. It was only because of the chait of the etzadas, because of that, they, it, it changed the, the nature. And he explains that the reason why it changes is because then they were given permission or they're given the desire to, to hurt human beings. And once they hurt human beings, that put within them a desire also to hurt their own kind or hurt other animals. But either way, the point is that after the Chirei Tadas, that's when this Teva was put into them. And it says actually that the first Shabbos, Shabbos Parashas, with Peol, they didn't have that, um, they, they weren't killing because of the greatness of Shabbos. So Peol only started on Sunday. But what happened is by the Chirei Tadas, that nature was put within them that they were they they had the nature of, of attacking and eating meat. But Paola didn't actually start as that because the greatness of Shabbos, uh, the, as it, the, this nature was removed from them for the duration of Shabbos, and then after Shabbos it came in at full, full in full force and permanently. Well, until Mashiach comes. But anyway, so what Rav Shimon is telling us that the blessing Hishpati Chai Ram and Arts will be is that Hashem will remove that nature from these animals. So that's ultimately, of course, what will happen the ultimate fulfillment of this idea of that, the, that they will lose their nature of damaging will be when Hashem will make them back to how they were even before the Chet Eitzadas. The explains actually another Sikha is that it's actually going to be even greater because we know every Yerida is a Sarkhaliyah. <coughs> so the difference will be is that before the Chet Eitzadas, they didn't have that nature but they had the potential for that nature. Baharaya, when the Chedek Tzadas was done, that nature was put inside of them. So they obviously had that potential. But once we're going to be lost in love, it's going to be removal of all Tuma and all Ra from the world. So at that point, they won't even have the potential to be able to become a higher Ra anymore. So there's still, well, there will be some type of Aliyah for these animals lost in love. But in the Yalka Shemaini, so just to recap, so basically when it says Hishpati, the word Hishpati, which means to nullify, could be explained in two ways. Hishpati means complete removal from the world or from Eretz Yisrael, or it can mean is, Hishpati means a nullifying of their Teva. So the Yalkashmani then brings a Pasuk Mizmir Shir Liyem HaShabbos, and he, he explains based on this, uh, the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, but the Rebbe over here is going to explain Mizmir Shir Liyem HaShabbos really for both Opinions that meaning how either opinion would explain it. So, in the words, Mizmer Shirli Yem HaShabbos, the horror of the word He is extra. Should, should have just says Mizmer Shirli Yem HaShabbos, the, the, the Shir for Yem HaShabbos. What do you mean Yem HaShabbos? So, Taicha is the word Shabbos, HaShabbos goes to mean Hashpasa. Hashpasa, which means removal. So, it's a Mizmer Shir for the day of removal. So, according to these two explanations, according to Behuda, it means that on Shabbos there is the removal of of um, mazikim, of things which damage, while according to Shimon, it will be its removal that they won't damage, meaning is it's not that they're not going to be any more mazikim in the world, but the nature to damage will be removed. And as the Medrash explains, the opinion of Shimon is a greater opinion. Because what's the greater Shavach Hashem when there's no damage, no, no mazikim at all? Or that there are mazikim, but these mazikim aren't going to damage. So the greater shavach is that they're there and they're not actually going to uh, damage anyone. And, and the greatest analysis the Rebbe explains will be is, is that if you just remove these animals or, or these mazikim, they're not, just, they're not they're not there anymore. 
But if you're mahapichan, if you transform them, that now there are animals that don't damage, then you can actually get a ta'alis out of them. Because as we know, like, for example, the, the gavur of a, of a lion is much greater than a gavur of a kavix. So if you could start utilizing all these other animals for our needs, it would be a great um, to'alis for us. And um, the, the, the main gilu of this idea on Shabbos about this mashpisa min hamazikim will, of course, be la'asim lavei. But we know that we had a keinza was even by Shabbos Bereshus, which was the Shabbos of Tchilas uh, Meaning, as every Shabbos we actually call Shabbos Bereshus, uh, but there's the literal Shabbos Bereshus, and then there's the Shabbos Bereshus that we have on uh, on a weekly basis, which is Shabbos Bereshus, as opposed to Shemitah. Shemitah is also called Shabbos LaHashem, but it's, it's the Shabbos of the year. Shabbos Bereshus means the Shabbos of the week. The Rebbe is saying is that literally the Shabbos Bereshis, which was the Shabbos of the Sabria, this was, we had a end of this revelation. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, that the animals didn't actually attack during that point of time, right, as I mentioned earlier. And also it says that there was 36 hours, that the R lasted for 36 hours. Meaning is that the light of Friday continued into the night and continued during the next day. So there was R through the entire Shabbos, that the the, the laila yar, that the dark the night shone like day. So the part is that the chayshuk was completely sapat. There's an Indian of ishapcha, that the laila became uh, became uh, became day. So bikitzer, just to recap what we said so far, that the first point we mentioned is we had a few questions about the nest gobble, which was on Shabbos gobble. Question one is why does Dr. Benin say that there, since there was a Nes Gobel, that's why it's called the Shabbos Gobel. Even if it was a regular Nes, we'd still call it Shabbos Gobel. Question two is, why Tankit is a, is a Nes Gobel? There was no Ta'alus for the Yidin from it. There's no amazing miracle that seemed to happen. And question three is, why was the Kaveh Dafka on Shabbos? Point two that we start discussing is this Yalka Chumayni. The Yalka Chumayni says on the words, Mizmer Shirli Yem Shabbos, that the word Hashabbos Hashbasa can mean nullifying. And we have two ways of explaining what does it mean that there will be a bittle of Mazikin on Shabbos. Does it mean they will be completely removed? Or does it mean that they'll be there, but there'll be Nishapich Lutayv? That there'll still be Mazikin, but there'll be a Ta'alis from these Mazikin. And of course, this second level is much greater. Removal is just, it's gone. But when you're able to Mahapich it, that means it's still there, but it's being used utilized for something which is good. And we said, Ke'inza, we already had by Shabbos Bereshus, the first Shabbos, we already saw this type of na'apich, this type of eshapcha, that the lila itself became uh, became light. Zerubah continues to discuss the idea of zman. The basic idea of how zman connects to our sicha is, the Rebbe is going to tell us that the idea of Shabbos Agadol, the nas gadol of Shabbos Agadol, is this idea of eshapcha, of transformation. And regarding zman itself, Shabbos is going to be the zman where the time where Zman itself is transformed. But to understand what the Rebbe is going to be discussing, we need to have a few Hagdamas. Um, most of this information is taken from Kutisichis Chelik Yud, page 176, and the Makairis that the Rebbe quotes over there. So Hagdama number one, every physical item in this world is made up of two inyana, etzem and mikra. Etzem means the essence of an item, meaning that without this particular attribute, it would not be that item. Mikra means an accident, is that it's not essential of that particular item. So let's say, look, for example, water. Water is H2O. Water could be, have many different colors. You can, you can make red water, you can make blue water, 
It could be frozen, it could be a liquid, it could have many different types of shapes. So this, that water is H2O, that's essential to it. It's not, if it doesn't have the hydrogen or the oxygen, that means it's not water anymore. But if the water is red, or if the water is clear, or if the water is blue, that's not something which is essential. Also, if the, if the water is hard, or if the water is a liquid, if it's one shape or another shape, these are not essential qualities to the item. These are micro, they're accidents, meaning is it could be that way, that, but it doesn't need to be that way. There's a second example, the idea of movement. So you have physical items and they're able to move. You have a desk, the desk is able to be moved from one spot to the next spot, but it doesn't, but it doesn't have to move. So the idea of movement is not essential to the desk. A desk could always stay indefinitely in one spot. This that you're able to move it, or if you do move it, that is, is what's called a micra. It's not an essential component of the desk, it's something which is micra. Time is a micra of movement. Movement is, again, moving something from one spot to another. So that takes time. But time is not an essential component of what movement is. Lu Yitzur, there was no such concept of time, if you could imagine such a thing there could still be the idea of movement. So if you imagine such a situation where there is no time, you could still have a desk and you could still have movement from one spot to another spot of that particular desk. So movement, so time is really just the measurement of how time is defined as the measurement uh, of circumstances or events between one time period to the next time period. So it's really just a sequence of events. So it's how long does it take to move a physical object from one place to another, or to get from one spot to another spot. So to summarize what we've been saying, is that in this world you have what's an etzem, an essential quality, and then when you have our micro. So a movement, moving of items, that's something which is essential, that is something which is always a micro, because you need a physical item, and that physical item could be moved. So movement by its very nature is something which will always be a micro. When we look at time, time is even more than that, because time is a micro of a micro, because time is a function of movement. So time would be an accident of an accident, because it's just a function of, of, uh, of movement. So the physical object, let's say the essential components would be that. Huh? This that it can move is a micro, and this that there's, it, 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 there takes a certain amount of time for it to be moved, that would be a micro of a micro. So that's one reason why it's very hard to define exactly what time is, because the more of a micro an item is, it's harder for us to be able to visualize it. When something is uh, like a desk, something which is a chiyah, something which has to be, it's much clearer for us to define. When we're talking about movement, that's something which is harder for us to define because it's nothing physical. And when we're talking about a micro, a micro, that makes it even much more difficult for us to define. A second factor, which is in time, is that time is constantly changing, meaning is the past is gone, the future has not yet arrived, and you can only live in that particular moment. So by most physical items, let's go back to the desk, or you go back to um, water, it was there in the past, it's here right now, and it will probably still be there in the future. At least for a certain amount of time in the future, it will still be there. Now, by time, the very de definition of time is that the moment of the past is already gone and the moment of the future has not yet arrived. So that's another issue with time is that it's, it's, it's not there anymore. It's, it's gone, it's disappeared. But number number two is that there is a machlikas of the chaykrim, is man a nivra or not? 
Hasidus holds that Zman itself is a created being. The what's the what's the what's the spar? So first of all, within Zman itself, we have to be machalik between two concepts which are uh, connected to Zman. There's one aspect of Zman, Zman being used as a tool to measure a sequence of events, or um, yeah, basically it's, as a linear tool to be able to me- measure sequence of events or how long it takes to get from one place to the next place. That's one function of time. And then there's another concept of time is that it's continuous. There's past, present, and future. When would you see, what's the nafkimina? What, what's the difference between the two times? The first type of zman is basically a function of having a physical world, that you have physical matter. And since you have physical matter, there could be a sequence of events of one thing happening and then a second thing occurring. And then you can measure that amount of time, how long was between one event and the next. Mashenken, if you don't have a, a world, let's say before the world was created, then there's nothing to measure. What were you measuring? There wasn't anything there. So since there's nothing there, there's nothing to be able to measure. And the truth is you could give an example even today of, of, of this type of concept. So you have a svar sichlis, that two plus two equals four. That the svar is, the logic is that when you combine two items, you're going to get a, 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 a total which is higher than each part on its own. So that's a svar sichlis. This is something logical. That logic is something which is timeless. It wasn't at one point it was false, and now it's true, and then in the future it's going to become false again. This is something which is a timeless truth. It cannot be measured in time. So there's many things even nowadays that it cannot be measured in time. This is something which is something which is timeless. So before the world was created, when there was no physical items, then there was nothing to measure. But then there's the second concept of time, which just means past, present, and future. Was that around before the world was created? So we have three general approaches. We have one approach, which is uh, Aristotle. He holds that the world, there always was the physical world, meaning that the world that we have today, we always had this world. There always was this matter. Uh, uh, always, that, that was, it's eternal. So therefore, he's saying that time was also eternal, that since there always was the world, there always was time. So there always was this idea, ability to measure. So he even had that idea of measurement of time was also eternal. The Bala Ikrim writes, that the time as a measurement is, is a created notion. But the essential co- uh, concept of time, that it's a sequence of events, that is also something which is always around. And he gives a proof from the Torah, because the Torah talks about creation. He says, He says, He is past tense, and it was the first day, and it, and it was, and it was the evening, and it was the morning. If the creation of time happened at the moment of creation, then it said, it should have said, Yehi, it shall be morning. There shall be an evening. When you're saying that there was, that implies that the concept already was there, that there already was a concept of past, present, and future. And therefore, you could say that it, this is actually brought in the, the Medrash Rabbah, that he brings this on the Pasuk, when it says, that from these words, he we see that there was an Indian of Seder's Manim So the Medrash Rabbah says this clearly, that there was an Indian of Seder's Manim even before the world was created. So the Baal Ikrim learns, what this means is that true, since there was no physical items in the world, there couldn't have been the, the use of time as a measurement, but the concept of time, where the Zman have built in Meshur, that this Man, which can't be measured, 
the Raman calls it Zman Hadimyon, the imagined time, because since there's nothing to measure it with, what exactly does that mean that there's time? Because time is a, a, a measurement of things taking place. But just like you cannot imagine time when we're talking about a svar, all you imagine, all you had was seichal, svar seichlis. There's, there's what, what type of zman, zman is connected to a svar seichlis. There is no connection in zman. That svar seichlis always is and always will be. So that we say is, was, and will be by the svar seichlis, but that's only how we perceive it. That by us, this will always be true. But Matsad the Svar Sikhlis, there's there's no time. It's something which always always was and will be. So he held, so he holds that the therefore he says he, the concept of time was there, but you couldn't actually measure. But once the world was created and there became matter, so as soon as there became matter, automatically there was time already there. So he's basically saying that there wasn't time, this that there wasn't any time was more of a technical issue. That since there was no matter, you couldn't have, have any, had any time. But as soon as there was matter, the the, the, the the idea of time automatically, the B'derech Mamela, came into effect. But the third opinion, which is the opinion of the Magid, and um Sadiq talks about in Amanus Alakus, it's also the opinion of the Rasag and the Rambam, and the Ibn Ezra, is that even the concept of Zman is actually something which is created. And Tzamech Tzedek brings a few proofs for this concept. And the basic idea is that we have a rule that you cannot give that which you don't have. I can't give you $10 million unless I have $10 million. I can't explain to you a concept which I myself don't understand or don't know. I can only give you something which I have. So time, by its very nature, is something which is limited because we have moments of time. So every moment you can add and add and add. But even if you add as many moments as you, you, you would wish to add, it would still be something which is limited. So if you have a million, you want to add another million moments of time and another million moments of time, it's still going to be limited because you're always going to have some type of uh, number and some type of total uh, which you can decrease or increase. So something which could be increased or decreased by that very name, saying that you can increase it or decrease it, means it's something which is not truly ain't soif. Ain't soif means something which is infinite, something which cannot be measured. So if you're able to measure it, something which is measurable is by very definition something which is not infinite, which means you can't measure it. So therefore by numbers, also you cannot have infinite amount of numbers. And people sometimes make a mistake that there's a difference between um, theoretical infinite amount of numbers and an actual infinite amount of numbers. Theoretically, a theoretical type of infinite you can have. You can continue counting theoretically forever. You can continuously count. And you can always go higher and higher and higher and higher. But pile that will never truly be infinite because even if you keep on going higher and higher and higher, you still have a number. And if therefore, if you subtract or add, you'll have more. For example, let's do another one. If I'm adding $100 every moment, and you're adding $1 forever, so I'm adding $100 forever, and you're going to add $1 forever. Who's going to have more money? So if we're going to say that the person who's giving $100 forever has more money, that means, it's, that means the $1 is not truly infinite, because this is, it's 100 times more infinite. Infinite means that it's unlimited. You can't count it. There's no measure. So how could I have a hundred times more than you? If we both have an infinite amount of dollars or infinite amount of money or an infinite amount of time, it should be exactly the same thing. 
So anything which could be measured and you can add or subtract or give some type of measurement or number to, that by very definition is something which cannot be uh, truly something which is inside. So therefore, when we're looking at Zman, Zman it is a measurement. It, that's, that's the translation of, of, of Zman, is measuring one second to the two seconds till you have a minute, till you have an hour, till you have a day, etc., etc. So however much time you will add, it will always have some type of limit. So Zman, by its definition, is something which was created. So it cannot be forever. And maybe to make it a bit simpler, the Tanakhtetic also gives an example from, from space. So space is an easier way to understand how there can be no such concept of infinite amount of matter, infinite amount of space. Because since space is something which could be measured, so even however much you're going to add to it, it's always going to be measured. So let's say you go take a spaceship and you go literally into space. They can, it, it's impossible to say that space goes on forever. Because since if uh, it, it's something which is measurable, like uh, right from here to the sun is so many miles, from here to Jupiter is so many miles, that means there's measurements. So anything which has a measurement means that at some point it has to stop. Or even if it's going to continuously get bigger, but still it, at this particular moment of time, it's not going to be, it's not infinite and it never truly will be infinite. And I think even according to modern science, they say the world, the, the universe is expanding. I mean, the universe is expanding. Meaning is that the mocking, the space of the universe is not infinite. It's getting larger, but it's by this, by this that we're saying that it's getting larger. That means there is a certain amount of space that there is, and that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, <laughs> The Chaikru talk about, um, you know, about the, the idea of the Galgal Hachi, the, 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 the ninth sphere, that in our world we have eight spheres, and within these spheres, that's where we have Makim Azman. But when you reach the ninth sphere, that's above Makim Azman. It's the Mailam and Makim Azman. So what exactly that means is, I don't know, but, but, it, but, and it's, but it's the same concept that we're talking about now over here, that the universe is expanding. But what is beyond where the universe is expanding? What is that? I mean, it must be something, but the answer is no, it's not, because Mokim itself is a creation. So we cannot imagine, because since we are part of Zman and Mokim, you're not able to imagine something which is not Zman and Mokim, just like we're physical beings. So we cannot imagine something which is Ruchnius. So similarly, we can't imagine such a, such a concept of something which is Lamailam and Zman, but that has to exist on a theoretical basis, because everything which is Mukbal has a certain limitation. So therefore, Chassidus explains that um, even the concept of Sman, of sequence of events, that itself is something which was created, and was only created during Sheshish Mebracious. But before the Sheshish Mebracious, there wasn't anything. So true, by saying before the Sheshish Mebracious, that itself doesn't make sense. Because when you're saying before the six days of Bracious, is implying that there was something which happened earlier, that there was a time which was before, and then there's afterwards. But the truth is, there was nothing before, before. The, the, the expression before doesn't really fit. It's just for, in a way for us to express ourselves, we're saying that there was a time before and a time afterwards. But the truth is, the second creation was made, that's when time began. But before that, there wasn't any time, so you can't really discuss before and after. Um, but, just to, to explain, so we, why, what about that Medrash? The Medrash says that there was this idea of Seder's Manavi, that there was an Indian of Seder's Manavi. 
What is that? What exactly does that mean? So was there a Seder's Manim or not? So the Pshad is that when the Medrash is talking about Seder's Manim, it's not talking about Zman itself. It's talking about the concept, a Seder of Zmanim in a more spiritual, refined way than what we know, uh, how, how we uh, experience it. In other words, like this. We have Siba, let's say we have a concept called Siba Masuba, a cause and effect. So cause and effect, the cause comes first and the effect, of course, comes afterwards. But is a Siba Masuba necessarily connected to the, the idea of Zman? Or could Siba Masuba happen at, at exactly the same moment? For example, when a person, uh, when, when the, let's say the, the sun comes up in the morning, so as soon as the sun comes up, there's also light. So the sun coming up and this, that there's light, happens at the same moment in time. But still we're saying that the sun coming up is the Siba that there's going to be light. I, it's happening at exactly the same moment. True. And it's continuously happening. As, as long as the sun is up in the sky, there's light coming. So it's not really one comes before the other, but there is this concept of, in, 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 theoretic, in a theoretical way, in Svara, one comes before the other, but not an actual time. Um, and I guess you could have the same thing truthfully with, let's say, really any concept, which is not time-based. Let's say a person has a, a seicho and decides that a particular item is worth worthy to have love to that item, or to that thing. So when a person has that seichel, the seichel is the siva. When a person has the ava for that item, of course, that will be the mesubah. So in this world, of course, you always have, you first have to think, and only once you've thought about the idea, then you can come to the maskana and then come to love that particular item. So there is a, an idea of zman just because of our own limitations. But even after, even in our, but if, let's look at it both ways. When, let's say there w wasn't any limitation of time, that as soon as you thought about it, there would be this Ava. The meaning is the logic, let's say I'm like a Malach, the logic was always there. So if the logic is always there, then the love was always there. So let's say if you're not limited that you have to figure this out, let's say Hashem is good. Hashem is always good. You didn't know that, so therefore we, there's issues. But essentially Hashem is always good. So since Hashem was, was always good, therefore there's always would be a love to Hashem. And the truth is, even after you love Hashem, it's not the pshat that the seichel now is gone. The seichel is still there. So the seichel that Hashem is good, and the love that Hashem is there, is continuously there at exactly the same moment. So that would be an example of Seder's money. That yes, the seichel theoretically has to come first. But right now, when I have this love, that love, the love is being created by the seichel. So the seichel and the love are there at exactly the same moment. It's not that one is before the other. They're both here right now. So therefore, since they're both here right now, therefore I have the seichel and I have the midah, which is created from it at exactly the same moment, not one of them not coming uh, one before the other. So when I initially thought about it, true, the seichel would have come first and then the ava. But at this particular moment, they're both with me uh, at the same time. And again, as and when we're speaking about, say, by amala, something which is not physical, therefore didn't have that there's no time period that it needed to be able to come up with the seichel, but the seichel was always there. So if the seichel was always there, therefore the love uh, would always be there. But still, the seichel would be the siba, and the ava would be the masuba. So this is, um, that, so that's the idea of seder zmanim, which was before the world was created. So it wasn't an actual idea of, of zman and sequence of events, but it was more of a theoretical type of what comes first, what comes second, in a mathematical and more theoretical type of way.
And based on this, we could understand now what Hasidus explains that Hashem created, it says Hashem created the six days of creation. That with six days, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. What Hasidus explains is that Hashem needed to create the world with the actual six days. And the idea is that Hashem is one and he's singular. So how from the one do we have the many? Our world is, is a world of multiplicity. There's so many things in the world, so many details. How does that come from Hashem, who is one? So the Hasidus explains, it's because Hashem, and we won't go through the whole concept, but the way how Hashem created the world is that he has the spheres, that Hashem uses energy, which is singular, and through the concept of the spheres, that was able to create the multiplicity. Of course, there's a question that tells where did the spheres come from? That's a discussion for another time, but they... But ultimately, the idea is that the spheres themselves also come from the unity of Hashem. That within the unity of Hashem, that singularity of Hashem has everything within it. And as there's a shalshalist of Hashem becoming more hidden, uh, the multiplicity or the singularity which encompasses all becomes more revealed. But the singularity aspect of it, in a sense, gets hidden and all you see is the multiplicity. But either way, the point is that Hashem is one. And the way how Hashem creates this world is by... Uh, clothing himself in the kalim, which are limited, which have a certain number, which can be measured, and that's what's able to create the world. So when we're talking about the idea of Zman, so we said already that Zman itself is a created being. So Hashem, who's above time and has no concept of time, how does he make a world which has time? So it's the same idea. Hashem enclosed himself, or enclosed his energy into the into the six spheres of Atsilas and Zah, and by through enclosing him, his energy, his R, his R into the, um, the, the, the into Zah, into the Shisha spheres, or even the Shiva spheres, that's what caused the world to become created. So each day, the six days of creation, what it means is Hashem actually created the six days of creation. So each day of creation is actually a creation of a pocket of time. So Hashem created time at that moment, of, uh, at the beginning of creation, and He created in a way of six days. So the six days, each day is a different midah. It's chesed, gvura, feras, uh, different places Hasidus explains it. Um, well, there's different ways of learning it. It says like Sunday, uh, when Hashem created Sundays, He created all the Sundays that will be in the future. When He created Monday, He created also all the Mondays that will be in the future. Other times it explains that uh, it's a repetition it's, it repeats itself, that Hashem created it once, and this, it repeats itself the same uh, Seder that Hashem created initially. Other times it says that the six days of creation are really the 6,000 years that the world is going to uh, be around. And the seventh day, which is Shabbos, is the Elifashri, which is the time of Mashiach. So each day that Hashem created is really a 1,000 years. But either way, the point is that when Hashem created the world, He actually created time, and He created time in a period of six days, and each day is a different um, pocket of time. So before we even go weiter, just to point out, and maybe like the Chiddush of the Dabar, at least it's a Chiddush for me, is that we always think about time is really just a measuring. There's, you know, the past, the present, the future, and, and there's no difference. You know, the 24 hours of Monday is no difference than the 24 hours of Wednesday. It's just, you know, it ha it's just seconds, which add up to minutes. Yes, Monday and Wednesday might be different. Monday might be a gilia, let's say, gvura. Well, Wednesday is a, a gilia of Netzach. But mitzvah the time, the is always the same. 
So the Rebbe is telling us, that's, no, that's, that's incorrect. That because time itself is a creation. So when Hashem created Yom Sheni, Yom Sheni itself was a creation through the Midah of Vura. So the time of Monday is a time which is connected to the Indian of Vura, while Wednesdays is, is a time which is connected to the Indian of Natsach. And as we explained earlier, what type of Zman was there in Olam It wasn't time as we have it, but rather it's, it's the time in a more of a theoretical place, uh, um, basis where one thing, you know, Siba Musuba, one thing leads to the next. So for example, if I have, let's say, uh, Chesed, because I love someone, therefore Netzach, I will overcome any type of obstacles to be able to, let's say, help that person out. So Chesed is the love. Netzach is to overcome any obstacles. So Chesed and Netzach might be there at exactly the same time. That because of my Chesed, therefore, I'm going to get this done for you no matter what. So it's not a difference in time. It's, it's exactly the same moment that I have the Chesed. I also have the Netzach. Uh, and that's in this world. Imagine in Oyla Vatsils, it's a, an, a, even a much greater way, that unity. So when we're saying that there's chesed, is the first sphere, and gvura is the second one, and then tferis, and all the other ones, it doesn't mean first in zman, but it means first in cause and effect. So therefore, each day of creation is the reason why chesed is the first, because it's uh, chesed is to the mashpia. So in order for anything to happen, you first need to have that hashpah. There needs to be Hashem's involved. So then you have the Gevura, which is, is limiting it. So all these things might is happening at the same time in Oilam Hatzilas. When it comes into this world, Hashem uh, contracts it and makes it in the way that each day is actually separate. So the first day is the union of Chesed. The second day is, is, the, is, is the union of Gevura, etc., etc. So that's why Chesed is first, because it's really the first in the spheres. It's the first in concept that has to be done. There always needs to be the Hashpa, which begins uh, the, the entire process of of giving. Um, so therefore, in other words, what we're trying to say is that Zman itself is an Indian which is created, and Hashem creates time. And the river brings a proof of this concept. Um, he says, when you look at creation, we know that creation, every day there was something else which was created. So even though creation started on the first first day, where Hashem gracious bar like in the beginning, Hashem created gracious nami maimus at the first moment of creation, the worlds were created, but that process continued for another six days, and every single day there were different types of creation. So the same thing with time. So that's by matter. You know, there was the heavens, the earth, there's animals, there's trees. That's with matter. But the same thing happened with time. Time wasn't just a one moment thing. Time itself was also being constantly created for those six days. But Hashem created a time which was Sunday, a time which was Monday. Once Chesed, once Bur. It's a different type of time, which which is a fascinating concept and. Uh, I, I don't know much much about it, but it's, it seems such an interesting idea that there, that within time itself, the time is a different type of time. The time of Sunday is actually different than the time of Monday, which is, again, I mentioned, it's not something that I, I really recognize that there is a difference, but we're saying that there is, and maybe that also explains why the Rebbe is always so into, always connecting every Fabrangian with the Zman that they're in, because the Zman is a different type of Zman. But either way, um, the Rebbe also brings a proof of this concept. It says, uh, each day, that each day does its um, these are sources from uh, from the Zoyar. That each day ha- has its things that it does, that it makes. What does it mean that each day has a thing that it makes? So yes, because the Zman of that day is connected to a certain Spira. And because of that day itself, the Zman, 
of that day is connected to chesed. Therefore, the matter which is produced, let's say the tzura, Hashem, uh, the tzura and the different nevroim, which are created on that day, which would be the zman and the makim, the makim and the, uh, would also be affected by it. So based on this, the Rebbe has a shayla. There's a, there's, a, there's a medrash that tells us, and Rashi quotes this, that uh, after Hashem created the six days of creation, it says that Baal Shabbos Baal Menucha. That what was the world missing? It was missing the idea of Menucha. But Baal Shabbos, when Shabbos came, also Menucha came into the world. So the Shaila is that the gather of Olam is Man, with all the different moments of time, and also Makim. So before there was the Zman of Yom Shvi, it wasn't just missing Menucha, it was actually missing the Yom Hashvi. We just finished explaining that time itself is a creation. Time is not infinite. So when Hashem created time, He created it, let's say, for 6,000 years worth of time. And after those 6,000 years, um, it's like, I guess it's like going beyond the, the universe is expanding. What happens if you go beyond that? time. Who knows? So after the 6,000 years, there is no more concept of time. Just like before the world was created, there was no concept of time. So this, that itself was creation. So when, when the Medrash says that what was the world missing was missing Menucha, what do you mean it was missing Menucha? It was also missing the seventh day. The seventh day came, comes from the Midah of Malchus. So it's missing a pocket of time, which would not have been in the world. The pocket of time which connected to the Indian of Malchus. So, so what does it say? It's just missing the Indian of Menucha. So the Rebbe answers, that we must say, that the union of Yom HaShvi and the union of Menucha is actually one thing. That you cannot divide and differentiate between the Etzim Yom HaShvi and the union of Menucha, which is, which is in it. The Zman of Shabbos is in its essence and is a, in its core is the union of, is, is the union of Menucha. I want to jump back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the class, that we said there's this union of etzem and mikra, that you can have essential characteristics and you can have accidents. So we're saying manucha is not like an accident of Shabbos, that you can have manucha without Shabbos. No, the, the essence of what manucha is, or the essence of what Shabbos, of the Yemeshi is, is connected to this union of manucha. Right? You cannot differentiate between the etzem of the seventh day and the union of manucha. So I guess you can have manucha on its own. I'm just looking at the Lashon again. But you can have Yom HaShvi without the Inyan of Menucha. Menucha is part of what Yom HaShvi is. So what does that mean? As we explained earlier, the Inyan of Zman is really a combination of past, present, present, and future. That, it, it, it means changing. And it's, this changing is based on Tnuah. Um, really, we said actually there's two love, there's two parts of time. There's the measurement of time, which is based on movement, that you can measure the past, present, and future based on the movements and sequence of events which are occurring. And then we said there's the, the Zman built in the which technically wouldn't be necessarily dependent on matter. The idea of Zman, uh, it's, it's so theoretical, we can't even imagine what that means when it doesn't have matter. What is Zman when there's no matter? What exactly is a measuring? It's like the, measuring the Zman of two plus two equals four. But either way, the idea of Zman is past, present, and future. That there's, there's a change. There, the moment in the past, the moment that there is now, and the moment that's going to be in the future. But we'll, and then that's why, as we said, it's connected. It's connected. Part of it is connected to Tanua, which is the idea of movement, change. So time is measuring change. But when we're looking at Menucha, Menucha is the exact opposite. Menucha means resting, meaning lack of change. Hashem rested on the seventh day, meaning is he didn't create anything new. 
he stopped. He relaxed. According to Chassidus, Chassidus explains what happens on Shabbos is, is Hashem returns to his essence. That during the week, Hashem is it's like a person that's involved in building something. And his seichel is involved and his minus is involved. And then once he's finished, his, his seichel and minus return to who he truly is. He returns to his essence, able to go back to where it is. So Shabbos is, is, is the stopping, is the menucha. So it's, it's interesting. So we're saying basically is that the Zman of Shabbos, the Zman, the Yom Hashri, which is the union of past, present, and future, it's the union of Malchus. As we know that Malchus is actually what creates time, the Pearls explained in the Tanya, that, is that Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimlech, that the idea of time comes to the Midah of Malchus. The, as we said earlier, we have the Vav Midas, which there's the Seder Hazmanim, but we don't have Zman, the Pearl, like the creation of time, as we know, that comes from the Midah of Malchus. So Shabbos is connected to the Indian of Zman Bapayel, it's connected to the Indian of Malchus. But nonetheless, we're saying it's intrinsically involved with the Indian of Manucha, which is really Lamailam and Azman. And the idea is that the Uftu of Shabbos is that even though it's part of Zman, but within it, the Adrabi says this is the Iker Uftu and the main aspect of Shabbos, that it gets transformed and it gets exalted. Um, that, that it's a Zman, which is higher than Shinui. It's a, it's, it's a time which is higher than Shinui. Or in the Lashon of Tzadik, Tzedek, that the Rebbe quotes, that it's, the Zman is Oila to Lomailam in a Zman. That there's Zman, but the Zman itself reaches higher than Zman. That you have Zman, but the, it's, it's Zman, but higher than Zman. And we'll discuss what that means in a second. But what we're trying to say is that Shabbos is the ultimate level of Hishakha, transformation, what we have in this world. That the time itself is transformed to something which is above time. That time is really the essence of change, and then it gets transformed to something which is manucha, which is not change. Zman in the higher than zman. So what does that? What exactly does that mean? That Shabbos, uh, that, that, that the zman of Shabbos is manucha, and that's really what Shabbos is. That's the essence of Shabbos. So in the Tzemach Tzedek, he quotes. Uh, the idea of Kutz Tanya and Sharikh Memuna Terb Zayin. And he says that the idea of Zman, the Lomayim Zman, is, is like concept of Shiluv Adnai Veshem Havai, that the Shiluv Veshem Adnai in name Havai. Adnai is Malchus, is uh, time, is Zman Umakim, as he explains there. It's Hashem, how he rules over our physical world, where there are Nevoim, and Hashem is the ruler over us. While Havayut Kevavke is Haya Haya Viyya is how Hashem is above time, that past, present, and future is, act, is, is happening at the same moment. What does that mean, past, present, and future is happening at the same moment? That's contradictory to the concept of Zman. Zman is that there is a past, present, and future. When you're saying that they're all happening at the same moment, that means, well, I can't even imagine what that means. How is what I'm saying now and the second part of my sentence happening at the same time? You can't even have a sentence. Imagine if each word of the sentence is being said at the same time. Uh, but anyways, by Hashem, that's, that's how it is. Because Hashem's higher, as we said. The Zman itself is in there, Hashem's higher than it. So, Shulav Adnai, B'Shem Avaya, what that means is that the Zman is being Oyla to the Lamaylam in the Zman. That in the Zman, it's completely bottled to that which, was, that which is higher than Zman. Or in other words, that our world is a pure reflection of Hashem. That when Hashem is looking at the world and He's looking at Zman and Makim, the Zman and Makim is revealing that which is higher than Zman and Makim. Uh, Rabbi Yoel, say for Ancharya, I'm going to give this example, and I'll also give you a few other examples, which I think fit. So he gives the example by Makim. So we have Zman and Makim. So he gives an example regarding Makim, that uh, we know that Makim Ha'ar and Enu Minamida. 
which means is that if the, the Mokim did have, the RN had a Mida, it was two and a half Amas. And the room, the Kedusha Kedushim was 10 Amas. But if you would measure it from the one wall to the next wall, it would be 10 Amas. But if you would measure it also from the wall to the RN, it would be five Amas. You measure the RN, it would be two and a half. And then you measure again the other five Amas, it would again be at five. So it would be equal 12 and a half. And you could have two people doing it at the same time. One's measuring from wall to wall. The other one's measuring, uh, you know, to the RN, plus the RN. And then again, which is 12 and a half. And it just didn't make sense. It didn't fit into the rules of physics uh, as we know it. So it's makamara in minimum that even when it's within makim. So there was makim. That's the point. It's, there's shul of adnai b'shem is that there is adnai. There is makim. But within the makim, it's being revealed that which, that which is higher than makim. So they say the same thing also with man. So I'll give you an example. If a person is supposed to live, let's say, 10,000 days. So if you would count the days of the person's life, uh, from day one to 10,000, and you would include Shabbos within it, you'd get 10,000. If you would count to 10,000 and you'd cut out the day of Shabbos, you'd also get 10,000. So it's the Zman, and it's the high limit Zman, you can count it, but right, you count, let's say, until Shabbos, and then you count Shabbos, and you'd also still reach 10,000. So whether you, so if you just counted it without Shabbos, or you counted you know, besides your Shabbos, and then Shabbos on its own, so let's say you would have 10,000 without Shabbos, then you count all the Shabbos in that which were in there, you would have a number. It would equal more than 10,000. But if you counted it until there, it would still also be 10,000. So it would be higher than Zman. So that's one way of looking at it, uh, what this concept would mean. Uh, basically, it's an Indian which is, you know, completely high, Shabbos is completely higher than, than our, it's, well, it's in our world, but high, completely higher than the world. It's Zman, but Lugans and Lamaylamel Zman. So that's what which the idea of Shabbos is. The idea of Yemeshi is that there's Indian of Menucha, that the world was limited. It only had the Indian of Zman and Makim. But the Shul of Adne B'Shem Avaya, the Indian of Yemeshi, that it was missing Menucha, that Hashem put into Shri, that the Yem Hashri is something which is the Indian of Menucha. In uh, Chassidus, it explains that Shabbos is, is the concept of, of, of the Aliyah of the Pneumius Oilimus, that the Pneumius Oilimus go back to, to the source. So, meaning is that what's being revealed on Shabbos is Hashem's true desire of what he has in the world. So, during the week, let's say a person has a project. So, he, has, he knows he has a rutz and he has a taiva, exactly what he wants. But when he's actually involved with the project, he has to think about each detail as he's working on it. So right now he's thinking, he wants to make a house. So right now he can only think about the doors, and then he thinks about the floor, and he thinks about the light. You have to think about each thing separately. But when you're done, either before or after really, then you're able to see the full picture again. So what happens on Shabbos is you're not just looking at individual items, you're able to see the essence of what everything is. So on Shabbos, Within the Zman, you're able to see how the world is, see how the world is really one with Hashem, something which is Hashem who is completely unlimited. Uh, so that's, that's the example that's from uh, Rabiel. Uh, there are some other examples, I think, that fit that I saw in Mitzvah Samana um, And uh, you could be the judge if these are good examples or not. So it explains that you have different things in this world that the closer you get to it, the more uh, condensed it is. But the farther away you get, the more it spreads out. So for example, um, you have a candle. So a candle, if you're right next to the candle, it's, it's a very small light. But the farther away you go, the, the light spreads out. It becomes much more. There's a ribway that comes from that candle. 
but it's the same light technically. So if you're very close, you can have, you can, you know, cover it with your hands almost, but when it spreads out, you can, it becomes so large. Another example he brings is from a, a Rav and a Talmud. So Rav has to explain him to explain his concept to two Talmudim. One Talmud who's very bright, the other one's average. So when he explains it to the average student, he has to give a lot of masham, a lot of words, a lot of time. There's a lot, a lot of details. Masha'inkin, when he gives it to the brighter Talmud, he could say, it, you know, one sentence. He could give over the, the Nakudas Inyan and the other, and the Talmud gets it. So it's the same concept, but one of them is able to take the entire concept, you know, in one word. Another example, let's say we mean Machshava and Dibur. So what I can think about in a moment, it would take me 10 minutes to explain. Right, so you could have an idea, especially let's say you're a genius, you could have, uh, it could take years to explain one, uh, and, and, like, right, let's say the what he could think about it in a moment, it would take him years to explain to a regular person. So the idea is that when you're in one, when you're in one level of reality, it could be infinitely lower than a second level of reality. So when you're in the reality of words, you need a lot of details to be able to explain something. When you're in the reality of machshava, it could just technically just take a moment uh, to explain something. Uh, I think there's a medrash that says by other Mauritian that Hashem showed other Mauritian the dar dar. He showed him the generations, one generation after X, and everything that occurred in those generations. And he showed it to him in one moment. How did Hashem show to other Mauritian everything that's going to happen for all generations in one moment? There's thousands of years and thousands of events with billions of people in it. And he's showing everything that's going to happen in one moment. How, did, how does that make sense? Elamites, because the way how Hashem is giving it, that Hashem is giving him this concept, not in a way of zmanu makim, in a way of dibur, or showing it to him. He's giving it to him in a higher format. And because of that higher format, he's able to process all that information in just a moment. I guess nowadays with computers, maybe it's a bit easier to, 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 to hop that. That's something which could take you years to learn. If you just put the chip in the brain, it's all there in, in just one moment. Um, so even though it's, it's a chip, but it has everything every, everything uh, within it. So also when we're talking about over here, Shabbos. So Shabbos is a period of 24 hours. But within that period, that, but, but that period of 24 hours is the etzem, something which is higher than the 24 hours. That it reaches something which is lamaila mahazman. So it's a 24 hour period, which is something which is be'etzem higher than time. Now, within that 24 hour period, you can have something which is bleak volt. So it's a measured time, but within that measured time, it's something which is lamaila mahazman, which is completely immeasurable. Uh, the Rebbe also brings a few examples of this idea in halacha, where we can see this idea of. Zman, which is um, um, that, that, that there's a measure, measured, if you measure a period of time, but it really adds to something which is not measured. It's not measured by the actual time period of what we're counting. So the Rebbe tells us about uh, Raghachagar that, that there's a halacha regarding a child that um, becomes an adult. That means he has two Cyrus on Shabbos or on Yom Kippur. So the halacha is that regarding Shabbos, as soon as it becomes an adult, even if it's the middle of Shabbos, you have to be kind the rest of Shabbos. by Yom Kippur, if you weren't an adult at the beginning of Yom Kippur, you don't keep, you don't have to keep the entire Yom Kippur. So the explanation is the Ragatavar tells us is that by Shabbos, every single moment of Shabbos is a mefsias b'fnei Every moment of Shabbos has within it the entire Shabbos. 
So when you become a, a bar mitzvah, or you have the two sires to become a gadol at 2 p.m. on Shabbos afternoon, 2 p.m. at Shabbos afternoon has the entire Shabbos within it. So that moment you have to mekayim, because that is the entire Shabbos, and every moment afterwards is the entire Shabbos on its own, so you're able to fulfill Shabbos. It's, it's a metzius b'fnei atzmei. Every moment is a, a metzius b'fnei atzmei. Masha'inkin, when you get to Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, the 24 hours of Yom Kippur is one moment. So if you're missing, if it's 2 p.m. and you became a goggle, you can't just do the rest of Yom Kippur because it's not a metzius b'fnei atzmei. You're, you're not doing the inui. The inui is a, this, this one period of 24 hours that you have to be fasting and everything else that you need to do. It's not each moment is a metzius b'fnei atzmei. The whole period is really just one moment. Is it one nukuda? Is one concept? So this would be an example in halacha how we can see that that regarding time, that regarding Shabbos, we're saying each moment of time is really a moment b'fnei atzmai. Mashenkein by Yom Kippur, we're saying the twenty-four hour of Yom Kippur. It's not many periods of time. It's one period of time. It's one period of time. It's one moment. And therefore, if you're not a gadol for part of it. You're not a gadol for any of it. So, it's, so, so again, so we're seeing how there could be a concept which was over your period of time, but it's still considered just one moment. It's just considered one nukuda. Uh, a second example, the rebbe brings this idea of svir sa'imer. Svir sa'imer is machlekes. If um, you know, if you miss the, if you miss one day, you can continue counting. So uh, it's machlekes. So the opinion that holds that you can continue counting because he holds that each day is its own mitzvah. It's, it's each day is its own count. Each day has its own mitzvah. It's its own moment of time. Mashenkin, the opinion that says that all forty-nine days is one mitzvah. is one moment of time. It's it's one nukuda. It's one idea. So if you miss one of the days, they, then you're missing the whole thing. So in a sense, that's something which is lamaylam azman. We don't consider if you if you if if you're measuring it, you should really be saying like this: Look, forty-nine. So if you have 48, 48 is, you know, almost, you, you, have, you have the majority of it. It's 48 out of 49. You should be able to still do the mitzvah because you have 48 out of 49 if, if you're just looking at a measurement. But what we're saying is that this is something which is, yes, there's a measurement of 49, but it's higher than a measurement because all 49 days are really one Indian. So therefore, if you're missing one day, then you don't have any of them anymore. A third example the rubber brings is the idea of a pu'ulanim shechas, a continuous act. Uh, so the example is about Yitzitz Mitzrayim. So we say that Hashem, this Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim is continuously happening. Uh, and therefore we have a constant obligation to remember uh, Yitzitz Mitzrayim. Every person has to remember that he left Mitzrayim. But if you look at Yitzitz Mitzrayim, Yitzitz Mitzrayim wasn't a one-moment event. Yitzitz Mitzrayim there was, it took, it, it took a period of time for Yitzitz Mitzrayim to happen. You had the period, period of, um, uh, you had before Chatzites, you had Chatzites, after Chatzites, you had the day of the 15th, uh, the Lashon Lagmar, Nig'alu Be'erav, Yatsu Be'yoyim, the redemption happened at the evening, but they only left in the, in the morning. You had the Mitzrayim rushing them, you had the Chapaz and the Yisrael, you had so many details which were going in. But nonetheless, we're saying the Toichen of Yitzitz Mitzrayim, this, that, the Yidin left, is, is one Indian that has to be remembered by the Jewish people on a daily basis. I, it's really made up of many details. Yes, but that makeup of many details really composes one Indian. Explain this concept 
a bit more, and I probably should have started with this, that um, there's a concept, it's brought in Shashmites, the Rogachava brings it, of Harkava Mizgis and Harkava Shchunis. The, the, what that means is, when you have a mix, Harkava means a mixture, so you, or, or, or make a, a, a compound of two things. So you, Harkava Mizgis is a compound where they both become one. For example, like in chemistry, you have H2O is one thing of water. So it's not like you have, uh, you have the hydrogen and you have the oxygen. No, the H2O is one compound. It's one thing. It's, it's, it's a new metzias, in other words. Then you can have harkavashunis, which means that they're neighbors in the sense that they're, they're mixed together. They're bats and they're still two different things and you could separate them. But they, they've been put together. Um, they've been put together. So when we're talking about Shabbos and Yom Kippur, let's go back to the example of the, of the, that the Raghachever brought. So Shabbos, each moment of time is Harkova Shchenos. Because each moment is really something separate from the moment that precedes it or the moment that's afterwards. Therefore, you, ha- you have to keep each moment on its own. Masha'in came when we're getting to Yom Kippur. It's the entire period of Yom Kippur is one moment, is Harkova Mizkis. It's all one Inyan. It's one Nukuda. It's one, that's his Lashon. It's one Nukuda. It's one thing. So also when we're getting to over here, the Pundam Shechas of the Tzrayim. Yes, there's many details, but all those details, it's not Nimshech as, 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 as many details. All those details just equal one thing. It equals Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So if one of those details were missing, then, then we wouldn't have Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. If I, everything that happened in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim had to happen that particular way, if it happened differently, then that would not be the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. But once you have all those details, each detail is an essential part of this compound, which is Yitzitz Mitzrayim. So the details are making it. So when Hashem's, when you have the Pula Nimshech, Yitzitz Mitzrayim, it means, it doesn't mean each detail. It means Yitzitz Mitzrayim as a whole, that all these things make one Nukuda of Yitzitz Mitzrayim, and that's what's being uh, Nimshach. So jumping back to Lamayla ben Azman, when we're talking about the idea of Shabbos, that Shabbos has this 24-hour period uh, uh, but Be'etzem, it's something which is, the 24-hour period of Shabbos is something which is Lamaila Nehazman. It's interesting, hopefully so far it's clear, the examples that we're giving that you have, uh, sometimes you can have something which is in Zman, but the total of the measurements of that Zman is really just one moment of time. I think that's what the Rebbe is trying to bring out, bring out over here. Um, you know, just kind of like the computer chip, that you have many things, but it's just one, uh, chip and it's like a, a, so the so, so same thing over here that we have the pool and the chakas, we have Yom Kippur that you can have many things but those many things are really just one so same thing Shabbos you can have many moments of Shabbos many hours of Shabbos but that's it's really one moment it's really it's really higher than the Inyan of Zman and when we say that it's one moment that's just I guess in our world we have to still measure it but the atom is something which is immeasurable. So when we're saying the 24 hours of Shabbos is one Nakuda, not according to the Ragachavar, but according to what we were saying earlier, it doesn't mean that it's one in the smaller sense, but it means it's one like, like Hashem is one, that it's an indivisible, it's higher than any measurement. So the essence of what Shabbos is is something which is higher than, than any type of division, any type of number. So we're saying that it's one, what I mean to say is that it's infinite. So there's 24 hours, but it's an infinite degree. So same thing over here, we see these other examples where you have the 24 hours of Yom Kippur is one Nukuda. When the Pudim Nushachas, which has many ideas of the Tzrayim, is really just one concept of Yitzhiz Nushachim. 
So there are many things that should become one. Shabbos is much greater that we're saying that it's all the 24 hours has come something which is, which is truly infinite. Um, it is interesting, though, that the example that the Rebbe brings about, you know, from the Raghachavar is actually Pumfarkert and what he's trying to explain by Shabbos. By Shabbos, he's trying to say that it's Lamailam Azman. But the dogma that he brings is how really Yom Kippur's Lamailam Azman is higher than Shir, while Shabbos is really measured by the moments. So that is interesting how it's, it's somewhat of a, it's an example, but it's an example which is different than the point that he's been trying to explain the whole time. So the Pashtas, I mean, what the Rebbe is doing is he's just bringing the dogma of this concept from the Raghachavar, even if, Api Chassidus, regarding the Indian of Shabbos, that's not how it works. He's bringing a But I was thinking that Hasidus does explain that on Shabbos, it's the, the aliyah of the Pneumius Oilimus. The Chutzonius Oilimus of Shabbos stays the same. Everything in this world, the Chutzonius stays the same. It's the level, it's the revelation of Malchus. It's the revelation of Zman Amak. Yerim Hashri is Malchus, which is Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimlech. So within the Chutzonius of the Oilimus, we still see the Indian of Zman. But what we're saying is that within each moment of that zman, it's really lamailam in zman. Each moment of Shabbos is the etzem, the entire Shabbos. So, so in a sense, that's even a greater type of achdus. That within each moment of Shabbos, you have the full twenty-four hour period of Shabbos. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe, maybe even that's maybe what the Rebbe brought it. I don't want to say that for sure because that's not the pashtus of the sicha. But maybe another way of learning the sicha when the Rebbe brings about the Yom Kippur and Shabbos. He's really trying to show how in Kippur you have a 24-hour period that becomes one. While by Shabbos, you have each moment of Shabbos is the Milam as because each moment of Shabbos is really the entire 24 hours of Shabbos. Uh, I don't know, maybe, possibly. But either way, getting back to our the flow of our Sicha. So the flow of our Sicha is we wanted to really understand the idea of Shabbos Agadol. We asked, Shabbos Agadol, um, why is it why does it after when you say it's since it was a nace gobel, that's why it's Shabbos Agadol. And we also want to understand why is it a nace gobel. And the third question is, why did it have to be Dhaka on Shabbos? So the answer that we're going to try to explain is it's because it's the union of transformation. Just like on Shabbos, the union of Zman is transfer is transformed and it's this topic to something which is a Mailam Zman. The same thing is the nest of Shabbos Agadol. The nest of Shabbos Agadol was that Maka Mitzvah Mibchayrehan. That while Mitzrayim was in its toikif of its power, the Bechorim, who, who they themselves were the toikif of Mitzrayim, the Bechor was, was, uh, was, were the princes, they were the leaders of the family. So the strength of Mitzrayim itself attacked, it's, attacked Mitzrayim. So it's within the toikif of the Klippa, there, there's the toikif of the Klippa fighting against it, which this is a miracle that we don't find in other places. So that was the godless of this, um, of, of this nest, that there was a transformation. It wasn't a complete transformation of the Khalifa of Mitzrayim, but it was a transformation of the Pu'ula. And in the Lashon of the Rebbe, he says like this. He, he says that, that it was given that in, with, with regards to the act, the pu'ula, the act of the choyshech was transformed to an act of or That the toikif of klipa mechobo gehalten v'toiva sa'at ha'kadusha. And this, as we said, is the concept of Shabbos, as we've often the Yalkut Shemayi. The concept of Shabbos is the hashvasa, the, the shvisa min ha'mazikin, that the damage, the klipas, that which goes against, those which are the negative aspects of the world, 
become the Zbata. So that is the Toichen of the Shabbos. And as we said, we had two opinions, but the highest oifen of the transformation is not just when you remove it from the world, but when the mazikin themselves become a te'alas, and that, uh, which will, of course, the ultimate level will be when it's going to be lost loving. So that's why, that's the first of all, answers question two. What was the nes gadol? It was a nes gadol. It was because the choshech fought against itself. Uh, the choshech became a te'alas for Kedusha. This also explains why it was Dafka and Shabbos. That was our third question. Why Dafka and Shabbos? It could have been on Yud, but why Shabbos? The reasoning is because Shabbos itself is the union of transformation. That's what Shabbos is Yom HaMenucha. Shabbos, we say, is, is the union of Hashbasa. We also said Shabbos, the Mitzadizman of Shabbos, the time of Shabbos itself, is the idea of Lamayla Minhazman. So therefore, the miracle was Dafka, the, the Zikran of the Nest was put on Shabbos because it's the same idea of this union of Ashapa. And our final question was, why does Alter Benita stress that since it was a Nesgadol, that's why we call it Shabbos Hagadol? Because the reason why it's called Shabbos Hagadol is that we're saying the union of Shabbos, the union of Hashbasa, from the Mezikin, the Bittl HaMezikin, it was Gadol. So it was a Gadol in the idea of Hashbasa in Mezikin. So why was it Gadol in the union of, of Hashbasa Mezikin? That's really the author of his question. So the answer is the reason why it was great is because it was a nice Gadol. So on a regular Shabbos, it's at least in Bizman Hazah, Shabbos is more like the Shittah of Yehuda. That's the union of Eskafia, the union of removal of evil. But it's not an union of Eskapcha. Even at the highest level we've seen was by Sheshis Mevreshis, by Shabbos Bereshis, that there was some level of Eskapcha. But on a regular Shabbos, we don't see this level of Eskapcha. Uh, it's, it's more of an union of a regular Shabbos, at the regular level of Bittal. But this Shabbos was a Shabbos of God, where there was you saw this union of transformation in a great way. And why, why, how did we see it in a great way? It's because the miracle was in a great way. The miracle was that the Choshech itself became uh, Lata'alas. And that's why the miracle initially, when Hashem said, Yikru, that you're supposed to take the Seh, the base of this, when Hashem said, Yikru, Lachem, Seh, the base of this, and you're supposed to hold the sheep for four days until um, Pesach, that happened, it was a Shabbos. We know that the Yidin left Mitzrayim on a Thursday. That means the 10th of the month would have been on Shabbos. So why did Hashem Dafka establish it on the 10th? And why did that Nes, meaning is when they, the Mitzrayim, the Bechayim saw the Yidin taking the sheep on the 10th, which was Shabbos, uh, that's when they fought against um, the Mitzrayim. Why did that happen? It's because that's the union of Shabbos. The union of Shabbos is the union of Anapachot, the complete transformation. And the Rebbe just uh, finishes off and points out I'm not going to go, this is really just until Sivchas, but he, oh, the Rebbe points out that the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, there's a diak, that it says that, that on Thursday, the Yidin left Mitzrayim, like we said in Simen Tav Tzadik Dalim. And since on the 15th of Nisan was a Thursday, in Cain, clearly the 10th of Nisan was a Shabbos. So the Rebbe asks, why does the, the Alter Rebbe need to give the whole Cheshvan? That's not the style of the Alter Rebbe to give the Cheshvan. He should have just said that uh, Shabbos Agola was on a Shabbos. You know, meaning as part of the reason why we established Shabbos Agol, the Dafka on Shabbos, was because it happened on the Shabbos. Why does he have to give the proof of how we know that it was a Shabbos? Just tell us, it's on his, 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 he gives the reason. He doesn't give necessarily the sources and the Cheshboinus. But the reasoning why is because he's trying to explain why was it a Shabbos Agol? What's the, what's the Siba that it was a Shabbos Agol? How was it that it was a Shabbos, it was Godel, the union of 
of Bitla Mazikin in the transformation of Mazikin, that the Mitzrayim, the Bechayim themselves attacked the rest of Mitzrayim. Why was that great? It's because it was, it was, it's because it was five days before Yitzis Mitzrayim. Meaning is the Indian of Yitzis Mitzrayim was Poyal, that even on the Shabbos before should become a different type of Shabbos. So the reason why this Shabbos was a Shabbos of God that had that great Hashbasa was because it was a preparation, it was a preparation on one hand for Yitzis Mitzrayim. And at the same time, it was a Giloy of what was going to happen at Yitzis Mitzrayim. So it was a Tetzah. It was a Masudav. It was an effect of Yitzis Mitzrayim that had an effect on the Shabbos which preceded it. And we see this really by a few different mitzvahs. Now, one of the questions uh, that we have, it says, we eat matzah on Pesach. Why? Because the dough didn't have time to rise. We have the Pesach on, on, uh, on Pesach, of Korban Pesach on Pesach, because they had a Pesach in Mitzrayim. But L'Chaira, this that they, they had matzah, this that had the Pesach, was because Hashem gave them the command. Hashem gave them the command to have matzah uh, in, in Mitzrayim. He gave them the command to make a Korban Pesach. So how could you say the reason why we have it nowadays is because we had it then, that itself was the mitzvah. So one of the answers that it's given is that the reason why they had it then, for, for example, the matzah, is because Hashem knew that they're going to have to leave quickly. So he gave them the command to have uh, the matzah ready. And same thing with the Pesach. Hashem gave them the command for the Karman Pesach because he knew that, that he's going to jump over, you know, the, the houses of the, of the Jewish homes and only attack the Mitzrayim. So it was mitzvah the future. So it was a zechur for the miracles that Hashem was going to do. So what do we see? That the mitzvahs that they had of matzah Pesach, on one hand was a hachan, it was a preparation for Yitzhah Yisrael that was going to happen later. But on the other hand, there was also a taitzah. It was an outcome of what was going to happen. Because since these are the miracles that Hashem is going to do, therefore that it affected the actions that the Yidin needed to do even before the miracles happened. So similarly over here, Shabbos HaGadol, this whole thing of Mach Mitzvah was a preparation for um, Part of the preparation was that the Mitzrayim, the Bechayim themselves, that the Choshech itself had to fight against the Choshech. That was part of the preparation. But where, it's, where did that ability come from? The ability that the Choshech could be transformed to to, to, to Toiv came because on because Mitzvah the Inyam Mitzvah Mitzrayim is Niglo Leim Allah HaKadosh Baruch HaGolem that Hashem himself revealed himself on the night of its, uh, the night of Yitzhak's Mitzrayim, and therefore that had the capability of taking the Adam Mitzrayim. So that capability also had the, the ability to affect the days before it, that had the ability to affect Shabbos. Uh, and this is what um, it's explained that on Pesach, Pesach is the revelation of, of the level of Bina. So we know Shabbos is the level of Malchus. Pesach is the level of Bina. Bina is the union of of Cheres, as it says in the Indian of Kabbalah. And not to go into the entire Sikh and the explanation, but the, the basic idea is that Mitzad the Gilu Pasach, which was revealed at that point in time, that made the Shabbos also Shabbos and Gabal. So that's why the Altar was Miram is that it was five days before Tezvav Nisan, is to tell you that the reason why it was a Shabbos and Gabal, that they, they had the capability to transform it, was, was because it was by the time Yitzhak was trying. And therefore Yitzhak was trying, and, and the Gilu, the Kaychabina, and the union of Cheres and Nigla Leimach Machal Kadosh Baruch Hu, that was pale on the Shabbos before to make it a Shabbos of God.